Hello and greetings, friends. It is the weekend of Sunday, February the 6th. We continue looking at the parables of Jesus this week, looking at Luke 15, 1 through 7. Again, Luke 15, 1 through 7. It's the parable of the lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Christians, believers, have never been the majority. We have never been, never will be, I until Jesus returns, And not that we have to be or need to be. The character of Christian life is not that God wins his battles by majority vote. He wins them by the quality of life that is manifested. But we are, I am, very much aware that we are living today in an increasingly unbelieving world. Increasingly, we are sensing and feeling how much more a minority of scripture-believing and trusting Christians um, are becoming. And I think there's a tendency in all of us to write, write off this present world in this age. It's hopeless. It's all these, quote-unquote, <clears throat> immoral, rebellious, shallow, superficial moderns that we see around us everywhere. How disgusted God must be with these people. Well, if that's how we feel, if that's how I feel, how you feel, well then, friends, we are very, very wrong. And we very much need correction by the message of the parable that's in front of us today. It is the first of three, which we might call the parable, the parables, excuse me, of the lost things. And they're found in Luke chapter 15, one of the most familiar passages in all of the New Testament. We get the setting where Jesus tells them the opening words of this of the chapter. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. The occasion we notice is the offense that's taken by the Pharisees at the crowd, which was attracted to Jesus. They were, says Luke, tax collectors and sinners. Well, now that doesn't sound so terrible to us, though some of us may feel that uh, the the reaction of these Pharisees toward the tax collectors was somewhat justified. But, But we ought to remember that tax collectors today are very different than tax collectors then. You see, then they were not official servants of the government, like the IRS, like tax collectors today, but rather they were hired private entrepreneurs, if you will, who made their money 
by overcharging and extortion. And they had gained the reputation, very well deserved, by the way, of being exploiters. They, they, they amassed a slush fund, and, and, they had, and they were also spies for the Roman government. So we can imagine how this kind of person was, re, was rejected by those around them. Today, you know, they, they'd almost be like a loan shark. And, and the sinners here were a motley group of outcasts, various outcasts from society. They would have been um, prostitutes, the irreligious people who did not frequent Jewish temples. They would have been thieves, gamblers, etc. So here's a crowd of loan sharks, of, of prostitutes, irreligious people, radicals, all gathered around Jesus, listening to him. And the Pharisees objected to that. Now, they did not object particularly to the fact that these people were listening to Jesus. What really bothered them was that some of this crowd were inviting Jesus home to dinner, and he was accepting. And so with hands raised in horror, the Pharisees and the scribes were saying, this man receives these people and eats with them. And so we need to understand the viewpoint of these Pharisees honestly somewhat sympathetically they were or there was there's much about jesus that that appealed to them after all they could see that he like them believed strongly in the existence of a supernatural kingdom a spiritual kingdom over which god ruled where he was sovereign in his power and authority he believed in the supernatural activity of god in the affairs of men and this was certainly met by agreement by them and he like they honored the authority of the word of God. You see, Jesus never said one disparaging word or gave any hint that would weaken the authority of the scriptures or of the Old Testament. The Pharisees gloried in the fact that they upheld the authority of the word. They took it quite literally. They believed it. So they were attracted to Jesus on this basis also because they they had these views in common. They expected him to join their club and, and to hold their, their attitude toward the outcast from society, people that did not have this high view of Scripture and of God and of things. But when Jesus saw that their attitude of rejection toward these people who were gathering around him, he told them these three parables. And each of these stories is about something that's lost. There are the lost sheep, there's the lost coin, and then the lost sons. And each of them reveals the heart of God, his, his attitude and the activity that he goes about on behalf of these things that are lost. And so each of them will help us to see humanity as God sees us and to understand the reasons why some are lost. And so here's the first of the stories that Jesus told. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, saying to them, Hey, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the other 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. That's Luke 15, 3 through 7. 
So remember, parables are these mysteries, and, and so we have to look for clues. And there are a number of clues in this story that help us to interpret it. The first thing to grasp is the significance of the fact that Jesus chose sheep, or a sheep, not, not pigs, not cows, or dogs. It was a sheep. It was a lost sheep. There's something unusual about sheep. Unlike other animals, they do not often deliberately run away. You know, a dog who wants to be free, given a chance, gone, will leave, just like that. Maybe or maybe not come back. A pig or a cow will do the same. But sheep do not. They only wander away. They don't mean to. They just drift away without realizing it. So Jesus has deliberately chosen an animal which represents people who are lost, but who never maybe intended to be lost. They never meant to be, and they don't know how it happened. In complete sincerity, they suddenly find themselves lost, and they don't know how it came about. We can watch a sheep get themselves lost. They, they are with the flock at first, and then they see grass just a few, just a few paces away, just a little bit away, and it interests them, so, so they go over to it. And then, and then they see more. Maybe it's a few steps in, in, in the same direction, moving further out, and, and they move to that. And then they find a, more a little beyond, and they are only con- they are concerned about the immediate. And little by little, they're drawn away without realizing it. And then suddenly, they look around for the flock, only to find that the flock is nowhere in sight. And they begin to bleat and run around, but they, they don't know in which direction to go, or they don't really know how to hide, so they panic. They run in circles. And every shepherd knows that an animal in that, that a sheep in that condition is utterly helpless. Any wild animal, any hostile force can take them down very easily. And so this is the picture Jesus gives us of certain people who are intent only on the present existence. They're living just for the moment. They do not intend to get lost. They do not intend to waste their lives. They do not intend to wander off into something dangerous and destructive, but little by little, concentrating only on what's right in front of their eyes, but little by little, they wander away. Eventually, waking up to realize that they're lost and that life is suddenly empty and that their hearts are burdened, heavy, and they don't know how it happened. They're not happy to be lost. They hate it. They, they long to belong. They may have wanted all along to be a part of what God is doing. So, so they do not ha- know how to get it. They don't know how to, they got this way. They're, they're exactly typified by the sheep. Well, there are millions like this today. Some are poor and, and obscure. Some are intent on simply making a living on feeding themselves, and, and that's all that concerns them. They, they live to eat and eat to live. Some are rich and prominent all over this country and all over the world today. There are people suffering from what someone has called destination sickness, i.e. the sickness of those who have already arrived at their destination, who have all they, they set out to get in life. They have all they want, but they discover that they do not want anything that they have. They have an empty life, and that is destination sickness. Jesus is talking here about people who did not mean to be empty and hollow and heartsick, but who find that they are and do not know how it happened. 
Well, and the second key to this parable is the shepherd's response. So he left the 99 in the wilderness, Jesus said, and went after the one. Now that is most significant. It pictures the activity of God as expressed in the person of Jesus himself, the great shepherd. He left something to come and find us. And as Paul states in the letter to the Philippians, he did not count the fact that he was equal with God to be a thing to be held on to, but instead he emptied himself. He took on himself the form of a servant, was found in likeness of men. He left and he came. And we can see how beautifully this is fulfilled in Jesus's ministry. So t- take his dealings with Matthew, for example. Remember the, the math, that Matthew was a tax collector. He belonged to this crowd of extortionists who made their living by, by overcharging taxpayers, ruthlessly taking the last dime from poor people. He, he, was, he was one of the untouchables of his generation. He had full pockets, but an empty heart. But one day there stood before him a man whom he had seen and heard speaking, this Galilean, this stranger from Nazareth. Suddenly the man turned and looked, looked at him. And sitting there behind his table, with all his money around him, those eyes looked into his eyes, and Matthew heard him speaking to him. He could not believe it, that this man, who was obviously a prophet, could speak, should speak to him, an untouchable, a tax collector. And to his astonishment, he heard Jesus say, follow me. And Matthew just left it. He just left all the money, stood up, and followed him. And what he did next is interesting. He came to Jesus and said, Master, hey, I've made a feast in my house for all my friends. Would you, would you come? And Jesus went. He went because there were, there were gathered all the tax collectors that Matthew knew, ready to listen to him as he reached out to find these untouchables who were lost in the midst of plenty. And Jesus intends that that this should be us. It is necessary, he says, to leave the 99 and to go out. We must leave the safe place, the secure place, the comfortable place, and go out to find them. They are responsive. They are they're ready to be found. They, they do not resist when we find them, but this kind will never come to us. The appeal of Jesus is, if we're going to reach people, that we be willing to leave something. We cannot merely stay in the comfortable place. So leaving the 99 and going out, go to the places where people gather in their loneliness and lostness, trying to find something to satisfy the emptiness, the deaden, to deaden the pain of an empty heart. And there, well, there we will find lost sheep. And when we find them, Jesus says, we, we lay them on our shoulders as he did. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means help them, undertake for them, assume some care of them, share our strength with them. This is what the shepherd did. When he found the lost one, he laid it on his shoulders, carried it, and went home rejoicing. And a third key in this parable is on the emphasis on the rejoicing over the recovery of the lost. Jesus says, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And this reveals the value that God sets on lost men and women. They, we, are not worthless in his sight. We 
we're not written off or neglected. We are we are made in His image, and this is the declaration of Scripture. So we are we're uns, we are of an unspeakable value to God. We bear His own mark, marred, defiled, and ruined, as that image may be. And yet He longs to find us and reach us and restore us. And notice the remarkable way that Jesus expresses God's joy. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I've accepted the usual interpretation of that last phrase. It it, it is that Jesus was referring to these Pharisees as the 99, these righteous persons who thought they did not need any repentance, who actually did but did not know it. But in studying this a little more, I, I feel, uh, the, the less I feel that that's correct. Jesus deliberately says that these 99 are people who do not need any repentance. He did not say that they were merely, uh, the, excuse me, he, he did not say that they merely thought they didn't. They actually don't. So if 99 people who do not, need repentance, why do they not? Well, it must be because they have already repented. There's only one way to be righteous, and that is to have repented, to have turned to the one who alone can give us righteousness. Righteousness is the gift of God. We know that from Scripture. No one can earn it. No one can buy it. No one can achieve it. There's no religious formula that we can go through that will make it available to us. We can't be good enough. It's a gift given only to those who have repented and have thrown themselves on the grace of God. So here are 99 people who have done that. Now, does God not have joy over them? Of course he does. He rejoices greatly. He takes great delight in those who are his. We, we only have to read the, the scriptures to see how God's concern is for his own, how he loves us, how he nourishes us, is tender towards us. As a father, he he pities them and, and trains them and disciplines them and works with them and rejoices over them. Yes, Jesus is not depreciating the joy that God has for these. He is simply saying that if God rejoices over those who are already his, that still doesn't compare with how he feels when one of these lost people repents and turns to him. We cannot imagine the joy that breaks out when that happens. God is so desirous of setting humanity free from the things that blast and ruin us, disfigure and destroy us. When he can accomplish it by the great work he has performed, heaven just erupts into cheering. They shoot off fireworks. They have a celebration. That is how much God is concerned about the lost. And that is what Jesus wants us to see. So if we believers can live on the face of this planet and we can look at the world as as lost as this world is, with its millions around us whose hearts are empty, who are hollow, who are bleeding, who did not mean to get lost any more than we had meant to before we were found, and not feel some of the same compassion as God who longs to reach them, then there, frankly, is something wrong with us. But if we enter into God's compassion, then our hearts will begin to burn with a hunger to do something for these people whom Jesus described as being like sheep without a shepherd. 
wandering in the wilderness of life with no guide or guideline, simply existing, no destiny except death. The wonderful thing is that when we are concerned and involve ourselves in the enterprise, in the great enterprise of God to find, find people, then we do find them. God will lead us to one, and our heart can share something of the joy of God over their repentance. We can share in the joy in heaven with the heavenly host and in the heart of God and all those who see life as it really is. When one lost person turns to Jesus Christ. Amen. And God bless.